Well, today we're thinking about the final episode of the book of Exodus in our uh, series, Stepping Out with a Saving God. We're covering chapters 35 to 40, and we're going to read part of 35 and all of chapter 40, and then we'll think about the whole block together. So, Exodus chapter 35, reading from verse 1. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it must be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle with its tent and its coverings, uh, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts and bases, the ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it, the table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence, the lampstand that is for light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard, and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. We turn over to chapter 40. Uh, everything has been built in the meantime. That's what we've jumped over. Uh, chapter 40, Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the testimony in it, and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the testimony, and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand, and consecrate them. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting, and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments. Anoint him, and consecrate him, so that he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons, and dress them in tunics. Anoint them, just as you anointed their father, so that they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue for all generations to come. 
Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the testimony and placed it in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the curtain and set out the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. <clears throat> Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, and Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so... Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. And this is God's word. We're talking today about starting over with God. Starting over with God. Do you know what it's like to start over? To make a fresh start? Things had turned stale or even sour, and you needed a fresh start, a new opportunity. Perhaps you changed job or changed study, or even changed career. Perhaps you hit the reset button in a friendship, or relationship, or family tie. Perhaps you bulldozed the garden, ripped it up, and renovated it, and started from scratch. Or you started a new approach to health, changed your diet, changed your exercise, changed your routines, changed your lifestyle. Whatever the old circumstances, you looked for a new beginning, a fresh start. You started over. And there's a sense of that feeling in these uh, final six chapters of Exodus. Israel has a fresh start. The, the story of this book, these people's recent history, uh, it's had its ups and downs. Dire beginnings of slavery, infanticide, and daily oppression. Then awesome miracles to break them free. Then grumbling and doubting in the desert. Then meeting with God at the mountain, hearing that he's coming to live with them then betraying God at the mountain and hearing that he's going to send them on alone in case he destroys them. Then hearing that God will forgive them and go with them after all because of all of Moses' mediating work on their behalf. And so from chapter 35, the tabernacle project is back on. The people are to go ahead and build the mobile temple tent and all of its paraphernalia because God is going to dwell among them and come along with them after all. They have a much needed fresh start. 
And that's where we begin with our first heading today, first of three, uh, longest of the three. God gives his people a fresh start. God gives his people a fresh start. Uh, So what's in these chapters, Uh, since we haven't read them all? Well, uh, the parts we did read uh, did a pretty good job of summarizing the, the whole block Just as chapters 25 to 31 contained God's instructions for building the tabernacle and everything in and around it, so chapters 35 to 39 contain the record of God's people actually building the tabernacle and everything in and around it. In 25 to 31, God said, make all this according to the pattern I have shown you. Now in 35 to 39, we read that the people made all this just as the Lord commanded. Uh, And so these chapters are all about building the tabernacle. And that's great news because after the golden calf episode, this project was cancelled, wasn't it? Uh, God would not come near his people in case they committed another outrageous betrayal that would see him wipe them out. But now the project is back on. Uh, And there's a ton of repetition from God's uh, earlier instructions, repetition of descriptions and details of all the things that people made and all the processes that people followed, because the major emphasis of these chapters is that the people followed God's instructions to the letter. Seven times in chapters 25 to 31, we read, the Lord said to Moses. And now seven times in chapter 40, we read that it was done as the Lord commanded Moses. Uh, So uh, we need to cast our minds back three Sundays to the tabernacle. Do you remember the first, uh, remember that the the tabernacle was full of echoes of Eden. Um, It it harked back to the intimacy of that relationship between God and humanity before sin. It was a partial restoration of that closeness, providing a way for God to dwell with and go with his people. What what were some of those echoes of creation? Well, uh, the spirit that hovered, poised for creation in Genesis 1, now equips the workers God has appointed to build the tabernacle. The the precious metals and uh, cherubim associated with Eden are represented in the materials and designs and patterns of the tabernacle. The goal of creation at the end of Genesis 1, that seventh day of Sabbath rest with God, is the same goal of the tabernacle, as we we did read in in chapter 35. And those seven times that the Lord said to Moses reflect the seven times in Genesis 1 that we read, and God said, and God said, let there be, let there be light, and so on. Those echoes of Eden are still here in these chapters, and we get a little bit extra. So if you turn to chapter 39, verse 32, It says this, so all the work on the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was completed. Compare that to Genesis 2 verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Uh, And verse 43, Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. And so Moses blessed them. And compare that to Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. As God inspected creation, so Moses inspects this model of recreation and both give their blessing to the completed work. And so there are echoes of Eden here. The tabernacle is a fresh start, a new beginning for humanity. And there's a, there's a sense of that at the start of chapter 40 where we'll focus our attention for uh, the rest of our time, I think. Uh, look how it begins. Chapter 40, then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. So it's Jewish New Year's Day, the first day of the first month. 
New Year's Day 2021 could be pretty good, couldn't it? I'd, I'd say we might be glad enough to see the back of 2020. Still, it's only June. Uh, things may yet improve. Uh, but here it's New Year's Day for them, not the same as our January the 1st, uh, though, because also in the first month of the Jewish calendar is Passover, and we know that happens about Easter time. But it's their New Year's Day, uh, a fresh start. God has reset the Israelite calendar to celebrate the way he rescued them out of Egypt and gave them that that ultimate fresh start. And, and now, a year later, it's time to assemble the tabernacle, to set everything up, and to crown the whole project as God comes to live with them. So now that all the parts are ready, God tells Moses how to put it all together, verses 2 to 8. don't know what you're like with flat pack furniture. Maybe you're Ikea allergic, or maybe you're an Ikea aficionado. Uh, but Moses has all the instructions he needs. Verse 2, set up the tabernacle. That's the, the tent, the, the shell. Verse 3, bring in the ark and hang the curtain in front of it. Verse 4, arrange the table in the lampstand. Verse 5, place the altar of incense in the holy place and hang the curtain over the entrance to the tabernacle. Verse 6, put the altar of burnt offerings outside the tabernacle. Verse 7, put the bronze basin between the tabernacle and the altar of burnt offerings. And verse 8, hang up the screen around the courtyard. And then once it's all built, everything has to be set apart for use in God's service. Verse 9, anoint and consecrate the tabernacle and all the furniture and tools used in it. Verse 10, anoint and consecrate the, the altar of burnt offerings and its utensils. Verse 11, anoint and consecrate the basin. Verse 12, wash Aaron and his sons, the priests. Verse 13, dress Aaron and anoint and consecrate him. Verse 14, dress his sons. And verse 15, anoint them. Anoint and consecrate, anoint and consecrate, anoint and consecrate. To anoint is to pour the anointing oil on something to signify that it's set apart for God in some way. And to consecrate is similarly to set apart or to cleanse with uh, atoning sacrifices and sprinkled blood mentioned in some detail earlier in the book. Um, everything must be purified and set apart for the service of God. You don't take, uh, you don't take the, the tongs from the altar of burnt offerings uh, back uh, home for the weekend for your own barbecue. It's, it stays there. It's, it's for one purpose only. And verse 16, it's quite a relief to say that the construction exactly matches the plans. Maybe you've had times when construction did not match the plans. Uh, you built a garden shed and it was definitely wonky. Uh, or you built a bookcase, but the, none of the shelves were parallel to each other. Um, at this point, I would normally regale you with some self-deprecating tale of my own mistakes and mishaps in this particular area, but uh, well, can't, uh, can't actually think of any. <laughs> and so in the end, uh, then God moves in. Let's read from verse 34. Here's the, here's the climax of the whole thing. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. And so the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. God gives his seal of approval on the tabernacle, and he fills it with his presence. The presence of God, which so far at Sinai has mostly been in fiery, thunderous cloud and smoke on the top of the mountain, now settles in the midst of the people at the bottom of the mountain. Moses can't even get close 
but once all that settles down, as it were, God's presence stays with his people like this in the tabernacle and later in the solid version, the temple, for centuries. Ezekiel 10 is the break, if you want to find it later on and read the unhappy ending. Uh, but finally, the, the great project of the Exodus, God making a people for himself and dwelling with them, that project is now complete. This is a new beginning, a fresh start for the human race in this nation of God's people. Uh, God gives his people a fresh start. God gives his people a fresh start. But what does that mean for us? That's what I want to cover in the rest of our time with a couple of shorter headings. The first of which is this. We can have that fresh start in Jesus and his church. We can have that fresh start in Jesus and his church. I asked earlier if you know what it's like to start over, to make a fresh start. And if you do, you probably know how good that can be. Now, sometimes a fresh start is forced upon us. Um, you know, a, a trip to the doctor and we learn that some changes are needed to our lifestyle or uh, or, or perhaps we lose a loved one and, and we wouldn't quite call it a fresh start, but it, it's a very different, th everything's different from then on. But often a fresh start is a choice and a positive thing. Things turn stale or sour and we want to make a change for the better. Uh, and that is so much the case with God. The whole story of humanity is of our relationship with God turned sour, spoiled by us as we turned against him. And that's the story of my life and of yours as well. If you're a Christian, you needed that fresh start with God. And if you're not a Christian, you still need it. More than anything in this world. In this time of, of isolation, when we're desperate to be reunited with people again, what we need more than anything is to be reunited with a glorious, generous, good God who made us and loves us and who won't abandon us to the disastrous decisions we've made to turn our backs on him. And as you'll know if you've been following this series to today's conclusion, uh, we're in the even better position that we can have exactly the fresh start we need, but without tents or tabernacles, without priests or temples, and without altars and sacrifices, because we can have that fresh start in Jesus uh, and in his church. So John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling. In other words, um, literally pitched his tent or set up his tabernacle among us. Jesus is the true tabernacle, the meeting place of God and mankind. He is God with us. Well, John 2, Jesus said uh, in, in a conversation about something else, destroy this temple in Jerusalem and I will raise it again in three days. And the Jews replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. And then John explains, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. Jesus is the true temple. And we see that temple presence in Jesus as well. So Luke chapter 9, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Do you remember Moses last week? And then uh, Luke 9 says, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, literally his exodus, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. 
a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. So here's Jesus, the true mediator, whose face shines, not with the glory that reflected off Moses, but with the glory from within, uh, the one who claimed to be the light of the world. The climax of Exodus is when the cloud of God's presence settled on the tabernacle and the glory of God fills it. But it's only a pointer to the coming of Jesus, God's presence and glory with us forever. We have that fresh start in Jesus. And we also have that fresh start in the church. God's glory initially stopped Moses or anyone else from coming close, but it soon settled down, so to speak, because the whole point of the Exodus exercise was to bring God and his people together. And in the same way, we're not just looking at Jesus to see God's glory. We need to see Jesus and his people together. Uh, and that's the church, isn't it? We meet God through Jesus and through the church that proclaims Jesus. Ephesians 2, Paul says that we are members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the people who tell us about Jesus, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, in Christ, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. We are the meeting place of God and mankind. Um, the, the ark says that God reigns. Well, we're now the place where Jesus is acknowledged as king. The table says God eats with his people. Well, church is where we eat with God as we share communion. Um, the lampstand give God, gives God's light. Well, we share the light of the gospel with the world. The law reorders a fallen creation. Well, we are creation being reordered. The priest enters God's holy presence. We enter God's presence. In fact, he is always with us and even dwells in us by his spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Through Jesus, who is God with us, we receive the Spirit, God in us. Maybe you don't think a fresh start with God is possible, not, not with the guilt that you carry, but look at God's commitment to this project and look at his commitment to you. From God unapproachable to God with us to God in us. I'm sure if it depended on you, you're absolutely right. It's a total non-starter. It's dead in the water and so are you. But because it depends on him, it comes from this God so we can have a fresh start. We can have it in Jesus and in his church. And that's not even the climax of it all. There's one last thing to say from this book. God gives his people a fresh start. We can have that fresh start in Jesus and his church. And final point one day we'll enjoy the fresh start of God's new creation. One day we'll enjoy the fresh start of God's new creation. The tabernacle points back to creation, but it also points forward to the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth, the final destination and goal of history and the story of salvation. But why was it so important that Moses build everything just as the Lord commanded him. We, maybe you heard that, that chiming through chapter 40 seven times, just as the Lord commanded him, just as the Lord commanded him. I think it's actually 10 times in chapter 39. Uh, why is that important? 
because it was all according to a pattern. Hebrews 8 says that the tabernacle and even later the grand and glorious temple are just a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. The tabernacle is a model of heaven. I don't know if you've seen Lego architecture, uh, the Lego's um, architecture range. You, You can build miniature versions of Trafalgar Square or the White House or the Eiffel Tower. Uh, There's a whole range because, of course, there is. (laughs) I don't think there's a Lego tabernacle, uh, although that might keep the kids busy later. Um, But the tabernacle itself is a model. It's a model with an ark that says that the new creation is where God reigns. It's a model with a table that says that the new creation is where God eats with his people. It's a model with a lampstand that says the new creation is where we walk in God's light. It's a model with God's law that says the new creation is a place in which disordered creation is reordered. It's a model with a priest that says that the new creation is a place where we come into God's presence. And if you read Revelation 21 and 22, the final chapters of the Bible and a vision of the new creation, you'll find echoes there of, among other things, the tabernacle. And there the great arc of the story concludes, or it's the end of the beginning at least. At the outset, God was present in heaven, then present at Eden, then at Sinai, then in the tabernacle and the temple. Then God was present in Jesus. Now he is present in his church and in us as Christians. And finally, we will be present with him in the new creation, the ultimate Sabbath and the final fresh start. Is that something you look forward to? Are you looking forward to the new creation? Even as long-time Christians, we may not find it that easy to say yes to that. It's hard to look forward to something that is almost incomprehensibly different (laughs) to what we know now and something that spells the end of of much of what we know now, or at least in the way that we know it. It's not that easy to say that we're looking forward to it, but But perhaps just as the tabernacle is a model of the new creation, perhaps we should think of this world as a shadowy impression of the next. There will be a physical resurrection to real, living, everlasting bodies, says the Bible. There will be a new earth with new work to do, just as there was in Eden. It's not a place that spells the end of things we know now, but that the things we know now don't really, we don't, we don't really know them. It's not, it's not that it, it spells the end of things, but it's that we don't really know those things. We, we, we work now, but in the new creation, we will work and realize that we never really knew what work was. We never, never really knew the beauty and the glory and the pleasure of work until we came into that newness. We'll praise and realize that all the finest praise of this world was shallow and out of tune. Then we'll know what real praise sounds like. We'll love the Lord and realize that we've only begun to know what love is. The new creation is the light and reality and joy of everything that's still only dim and dusty, a shadowy impression. 1 Corinthians 13 says, when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. Do you you feel that the staleness and sourness of guilt 
and shame and, and pain in your life? Do you feel the brokenness uh, between you and God? If you're not trusting and following Jesus, you really should feel it. It's completely broken, that relationship. Prayers bounce off the ceiling, doubts that nag, fears that tug, something deep that's missing, missing without a trace. But a fresh start is yours in Christ. We don't come to a tent or a temple, but to the real thing, to God in the flesh, to Jesus Christ, to his church, a fresh start for humanity. And we are coming to his eternal home to the true dwelling of God with mankind in unspoilt glory. Won't you come to Jesus and receive his forgiveness and his release and his welcome, his fresh start and his promise to lead you home? Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for, for everything that you've taught us from Exodus. We've seen your faithfulness and your power and your love and compassion and your holiness and your goodness. And we've seen your unfailing commitment to your people. May we who are yours in Christ just rejoice to see your commitment to us in him so that we love and obey and, and enjoy the, the privilege that we have of relationship with you. And may we fix our eyes ahead on our destination, that ultimate fresh start of eternity in your glorious presence. And we ask in his name. Amen.